Hi, Supermamas. So after conducting a feasibility study and learning that Orange County had one of the largest concentrations of single mothers, Becky Albrecht made it her mission to change that and create strong families in the community. She founded My Safe Harbor in 2009. And since then, she has found out that by empowering women, you can then empower homes and in exchange, empower communities. She has given so many women back their dignity, dreams, goals, and a reason to have hope once again. Enjoy this week's show, ladies. And remember that this holiday season should be about giving back. <laughs> Hola, I'm Paulina. Hi, I'm Bricia. And we're sisters, friends, daughters, wives, and business owners following our dreams, just striving to be a better version of ourselves every day. All right. And we're also moms. <laughs> Welcome to the Super Mama Sisterhood. And I was jumping on the waves with Carista. And he was like, oh my God, this is the best ever. And we get in the car, we get home. She cries because I woke her up. I was like, I wish I didn't have any kids within like three hours. <laughs> she stopped me right there. She was like, Brisa, I want you to understand this. I seriously believe that our children choose us and we don't choose our children. Right. Your baby chose you to be his mom. Mm -hmm. He knew what kind of mom he wanted. And he chose you as his mom. Oh, that's right. Nice. We're all sisters here to inspire, support, and guide each other to dream bigger and to enjoy every moment of this extraordinary journey that is womanhood. Listas? Here we go. <laughs> Super mamas! Super mamas and super mamacitas alike. Elizabeth Lopez is here with us. Hi. How are I'm you, Tita? How was your Thanksgiving? It was great. You weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> Low blow. Low <laughs> blow. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. I told mom I wanted her to recreate Thanksgiving dinner. But for you already Christmas. did. I know. You but li we literally had a Thanksgiving with you. But it was cold when we had it that first time. That's true. And For any of you who have not read our food and wine Thanksgiving story, please do so. I, I guess we'll just link it on the show notes. Yeah. Um, but Food and Wine did a really amazing story about our family and growing up as immigrants here in Los Angeles and our Thanksgiving traditions. Mm -hmm. So we just had to, had, my mom had to cook a Thanksgiving dinner for us. In October. Um, earlier this month. Wasn't it October? November? Yeah, it was in October. It was, it was October. Um, and you can read all about it and look at the video. Elizabeth Christ in the video, FYI. Obviously. You always cry. <laughs> I'm a crier. And I had to sadly miss this year's Thanksgiving. This is the first year that I'm not with you guys in Thanksgiving, which yeah. was very sad. Last year, Fernanda didn't join us, and now it was you this year. It was really sad. Actually, it wasn't that sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, while you guys were having your Thanksgiving, I was enjoying a fabulous um anniversary trip that my husband surprised me with how sweet i, I know he did really really well i was very surprised yeah um i was like babe i did not think you had this in you <laughs> and he was like what do you mean i took you in a helicopter ride i'm like yeah like eight years ago oh do you remember when we first started dating he took me in a helicopter ride 
Well, I remember you telling us a story like a couple of years later because you were never told us about him. Yeah. Well, Well, when we first dated, (laughs) dating like eight years ago, my husband took me in a helicopter ride. He surprised me. And also another day, he surprised me with a gondola ride. Aww. um, When we were first dating. So he was like, I took you in a gondola ride. I'm like, eight years ago, sweetie, eight years ago. That was a really sweet surprise. But he totally surprised me. He had no idea. Paulina and Ramiro went there one day. Yeah. One time. So you probably got the idea from them. Maybe. Uh, but Encuentro Guadalupe is incredible. That hotel is like gorgeous and beautiful uh, and very romantic. And um, he surprised me. I didn't even know we were going to go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went to this great, we had this amazing lunch and this wonderful dinner. And the next day breakfast was great. Um, and then we drove down to San Diego and me with his family. And we had a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, sweet yeah so it was really good so I really enjoyed myself um, and I think at the end of the day is just being with people that you love and you care exactly. about and you know just and enjoy. pumpkin pie and pumpkin pie like the For one nothing. thing in the, the one year the one time in the year where we have pumpkin pie yeah Fernando's fave Fernando's favorite we had um, three different types of pumpkin pies what and a cake what <laughs> yeah I did, how are there different types of so pumpkin So we had two cake? pumpkin pies from La Brea Bakery, a p- another pumpkin pie from Marie Callender's, and then another pumpkin pie from, I think, Ralph's, and then a cake from Ralph's. Well, in the spirit of Thanksgiving and giving back, uh, we can't forget that this is, you know, this is the time of the year where we all get caught up in what are we going to get for Christmas and what are we going to get for Christmas? And it's all about like, this is what I want, what I want, what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and we forget that really giving is you know it's really what brings the most joy and i really want to really want to start like a new tradition with my family where we with with my husband and with my son where we don't really get christmas gifts but whatever we were be spending on each other's to give to something or to an organization that we really care for that's nice and and I, i think you know my 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 son's two and a half so I don't know how long how long I'm going to be able to keep this up or he'll understand. But, you know, I think like if he grows up thinking about this and learning about this, it'll just be like second nature. Mm-hmm. I'm having like conflicting thoughts about introducing him to Santa Claus. <laughs> like I have really conflicting thoughts about that because on one side, I understand that like it's great, you know, because we grew up believing in santa claus yeah, and then, but, but his cousins already know about santa claus yeah and so when christmas comes around he's gonna be like oh there's like what's santa mom he's yeah. gonna ask you what santa is well i don't know i don't know how I'm, I, I still have some time for me to like figure this out um and i'll talk to my husband too like but i i just want to i just want to teach him to like give things mm-hmm. instead of receiving things you know I, I you've you've heard what i've said before you know when we talk about Puerto Oaxaca and how like Growing up in LA, growing up in the US, we just have so many things. Yeah. And, and we constantly can't have enough things. Like, I receive like a new thing on Amazon all the time. You know what I mean? We always mm-hmm. get boxes like on the mail. Like, we, we over- buy things you don't need. We buy things, yeah. We over order at restaurants. Like, we are kind of falling into the society of like extreme is someone like just abundance, like extreme abundance. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, and now, like now that I'm raising a human being, I, I just kind of don't want him to think that that's okay. That's true. You know, like I don't want him to think like he like just Deserve, gets things. Yeah, that he like 
gets five different presents yeah like you know and and him like every year wanting something better and like Mm -hmm. what about this year you know so i I mean i don't know how i'm gonna do that but like in my in my heart like what i really want is for him to like give something you know instead of like getting something in christmas Mm -hmm. to give something so i mean i'm not really sure how still i'm gonna navigate that but he's two and a half and and this is like the first year i'm you know i spoke to my husband and he's like yeah i totally agree and we're gonna be giving um so with that spirit we invited the founder of um my safe harbor which is an organization um a pathway to hope that helps you know women who have been mistreated who are going through you know just really rough patches in their life to just jumpstart their life um and just like i don't know give them back their dignity give them back the ability to dream goals and and hope and yeah i'm so happy that i got to meet becky she was just such a wonderful woman and just to hear how she just took her life from you know her life of ministry into like now you know just being a change to these women's lives it's just so empowering and i think if all of us can just be that person for one other person this holiday season or every season really we can really make a real change in the world does that make sense yeah it makes total sense um well anyway i really enjoyed this interview and i want to thank sitlalik the mom that reached out to us for introducing me yes for introducing me to my safe harbor she was also here in the interview and i hope you guys are going to hear a little bit about her and her story uh but okay i'll be quiet now and let's get on with our interview with becky and sitlalik from my safe harbor Welcome, Sitlali and Becky, to the show. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank I know you. you guys traveled a little far for to be here in Los Angeles with us. Los Angeles, like you guys came from a long way. It kind of is like a long way, right? Well, we came from Orange County, so it is far. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you guys for coming. So Becky and Sitlali are from My Safe Harbor. Um, and I believe, Sitlali, you're the one who sent us a message, right? I did. I did. Um, I just, I've been involved with My Safe Harbor for the past eight years and I've, I've been following you guys since May when I went to the Supermama social oh, thank you. and I just have been so inspired by everything that your family does and how supportive you are you are of mothers and I know that my safe harbor is supportive of mothers and I don't know I just thought maybe I'm just gonna email them and see what happens and here we are <laughs> and it took me a long time to reply but I did reply um, and Becky, you are the founder and the present executive director of My Safe Harbor. Can you explain? Um, well, number one, can you just explain what My Safe Harbor is? Mm-hmm. My Safe Harbor is um, a program that started in Central Anaheim mm-hmm. in an area where we have a really high concentration of single mothers, and, or or what we call virtual single mothers, meaning they may have a man in the house, but. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> But he's not really there. <laughs> <laughs> or, or we have a number of women who are married, but their spouse is in prison, or he's an active gang member and is a serious problem and not helpful in the home. So what we try to do is provide the long-term support that that is just missing in most of the social services programs that are out there. Most social services programs are designed to be uh, crisis intervention kinds mm-hmm. of things. And what we try to do is, after the crisis, be, with either from a case manager or a teacher at your school or someone who knows you in the agencies with whom we are, are partnering, if they think they've got a mom that maybe is ready to do the long work 
uh, of really changing her own life and changing her family, then they'll refer them to us because you, you don't we don't close cases and you never finish at My Safe Harbor. It's a safe place for you as long as you want to be involved in it. And so what we try to do is provide the long-term peace where there's a safe place with lots of support and a path forward to change your life to what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions we always start with is, so what do you really want and what are you willing to do to get it? And we try to help them figure out if that's a realistic plan and if not, how it can maybe be adjusted. And then once they decide those things, we try to help them put together the plan and walk with them the whole way through that plan so that they can uh, change their lives. They're tired of of feeling like they're living in crisis. They're Mm -hmm. tired of the chaos. Um, They may be in a domestic violence situation and they they want out. Uh, It may be that they have... Uh, a real unstable situation in which they find themselves and they don't know what to do about it. Uh, their family may or may not be around. So a lot of us are the old gray hair mamas and we we joke a little and say really what we're doing is mothering mothers, many of whom don't have their mother around or maybe don't have a great relationship with their mother mm-hmm. and just didn't have the role model that they may have needed. That's so important. Sometimes you forget that we need to be mothered too. Mm-hmm. You know, we get so caught up in mothering our children. So what kind of services and programs um, does my safe We're really simple. We don't have very many. We're very, very focused. We have two what we call gateway programs, mm-hmm. which is a chance for moms to come and get to know us a little bit and uh, decide if they can trust and maybe find some friends and maybe not feel so alone. Mm-hmm. One of them is our Mother's Club. We have one that's actually on site, but now we have six. I think we're starting a seventh off-site mothers club at some of the local elementary schools, oh, one nice. FRC. And they're all run by graduates of our primary program, which is the Strong Families Institute. We also have another gateway program, though, that's just our electives. And they're, these are if, once you've been in mothers club for a while and you're kind of getting comfortable and you mm-hmm. might want to dive into something a little deeper... Uh, mother's clubs just go from week to week to week, and you can come this week and miss next week. So like as a support group where yeah. you can just go yeah. and be Yeah, like- just come and enjoy each other, and sometimes you have a really serious topic, and sometimes you're making a little craft thing you can take home and do with your kids, and sometimes we're doing cooking classes because we have a teaching kitchen mm-hmm. in our facility. So it's just, a, it's just a, a chance for moms to get together. Somebody's watching their kids, and they can be with some other adults and have a place where it's safe to complain or to or to ask for questions <laughs> or, nice. you know that kind of stuff then the electives are if you want to go a little deeper and these are usually at least two weeks and the most of four weeks of something that's much more of an in-depth topic of some kind okay um, but those are also mostly led by women who graduated from our strong families institute that's our program our goal is to get every woman we meet through sfi because that we think is the game changer it's a 32 week long really intensive program of personal capacity building. It's not just about parenting. And as a matter of fact, our five weeks of parenting in that 32 weeks doesn't come until almost the end because we don't believe that you're ready to believe all those tips and tools as a parent until you're ready as a woman to believe you're capable, that, uh, that you have the tools, that you are worthy of the respect of your children and of others, that you have built your own set of dignity and your own communication skills and your own personal self-confidence so that when it's time to be in charge of your children, you're confident enough to be in charge of your children and they know that you are. That makes and so it's, much it's, sense. So it's a, it's a really important thing. Most people think that if you go to a six-week 
parenting class and, you know, 12 counseling sessions. Well, just solved all that. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, especially if you've got some generational dysfunction, it just doesn't happen that fast. So so this program, um, it's like I said, it's 32 weeks long, three and a half hours a week. Plus, you have to pay a little bit of your own money and you have to give some volunteer hours to My Safe Harbor. And so we think that that kind of ownership is why we have a 93% graduation rate. Wow, 93%? Yeah, and this next group that's going to graduate in December is 100%. And the last three of the last four graduated all that started. The biggest group, we go, we, we, the groups are 10 to 12. 12 is as big a group as we'll take for a cohort in SFI. But um, it's really wonderful when all 12 of them start together and finish and together. together. And in many ways, they've become each other's very best friends and cohort camaraderie is such a big piece of it that they become each other's best friends and and a continuing support group after they graduate but then they come back and they're mentors for a group coming after them or they're teaching an elective or they're going as a as a uh, a pair out to one of our mother's clubs to teach or they're still volunteering in many ways for my safe harbor or getting involved at their school and realizing that they have an awful lot to offer to the neighborhood in which they live and that's what our our ultimate goal is to make a peer program where the women in the neighborhood are empowering each other to change their neighborhood yeah that's so beautiful. How did you get started? You founded this. How, what's the history behind My Safe Harbor? Why did you decide to dedicate your life? Well, to it's this? really funny because I have no business doing it. Uh, <laughs> all, all my degrees have nothing to do with it. And uh, what happened was I was on staff at a church that owns the building that we're using. Uh, I was there for 23 years as a worship and family life minister. And uh, as the neighborhood continued to change around Worship's us. my favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all my degrees are in music and theology. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so what am I doing running a program like this? So You what, never know. You were called. That, well, that's part of it. Uh-huh. That's part of it. Um, it's, not, it's, it's not a really romantic sounding thing. I mean, we've been there for t- doing it for 10 years. If you told me 11 years ago that I was going to run this program, I would have... Wondered what, what you were, what, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But what happened was the church decided we have this building, we're in this neighborhood, we want to stay. The church, uh, Anaheim First Christian Church in downtown Anaheim has been there for 125 years. 1894 is when the church started. And so uh, we decided to stay and to really get involved in the neighborhood. But instead of just assuming what the neighborhood needed, they mm-hmm. asked me to do a feasibility study. <clears throat> if we did something, what should we do and what should it look like? And so after a pretty actually short amount of time, we realized that in Orange County, um, 92805, which is our zip code, has one of the highest concentrations of single mothers in Orange County. Wow. And as a result of that, uh, and because Anaheim is the largest city in Orange County, we also tend to have the largest either one or two in most of the pathologies that come from an unstable home, teenage pregnancy, uh, gang involvement, uh, domestic violence, uh, teenage dropout rate from high school, uh, teenage suicide rates, all of those things are exacerbated by the unstable family environments. And so we thought, okay, we're not going anywhere. This is something that needs the long-term peace. And so we just looked into how can we build strong families? How do we make strong families be um, something that they can believe will happen in their house? And what does it take for that to happen? So um, a lot of the reason we did it was because I walked away from that feasibility study after I gave my report about this is what we ought to do. And some people looked me back in the eye and said, so who's (laughs) going to do that? (laughs) Now what? (laughs) Yeah. 
So in many ways, as funny as it may sound, I decided to jump in, um, even though I wasn't young, uh, you know, I was 57 or so at the time. My children were all gone, raised, and had their own families. I have six grandchildren and... Um, three sons. Three sons. I have three sons and, and, and six grandchildren, and I don't think they're quite done yet, but I don't ask. And, uh, Good mom. <laughs> and, um, uh, and I just decided that, that this was sort of an act of obedience. I just felt like the Lord was saying, hey, somebody needs to come in and love these girls. And, um, uh, and I loved I love being a mother. I loved having my own children at home as a family life minister. I was involved in lots of people's families, and I I love I love strong families because I know how what a precious gift it has been to me to come from a strong family mm-hmm. and to have my own strong family and to watch my sons build theirs. Mm-hmm. So. so beautiful. <laughs> so this is a nonprofit, and you guys are all donation based. Is that yeah. how it works? Mm-hmm. Totally, we're a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Now, tell me a little bit about more. What you what you see that the, that these need, these girls these women come in, what is the one thing that you see that they need more of? Well, uh, actually, we've sort of narrowed it, narrowed it down to a pathway of four mm-hmm. that sort of all go together. And when you start you, you, the, the the way you lead through them, one the first one is dignity. One of the first things these girls need is to believe that they're capable. For too many of them, too many places in their lives, they have heard that they're not. Yeah. That they're not, they're dumb, they're lazy, uh, they're, uh, they're, they aren't capable, mm-hmm. you know, of, of being uh, anything other than somebody who can bear children and hope that they don't hate her, at least for a little while when they're little. And when they get older, who knows what's going to happen with them. And, and they get told us so many times that they start right. to believe it. Right. Or they just fully believe it. Right, right. And they've been used... Um, They've been used so badly in so many ways. Yeah. The the level of abuse that many of these girls come from, it's not necessarily even the domestic violence in the sense that they, they have a husband who's beating them up. Many of them have been abused by their own parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they they Or they're, they're in situations where they're here undocumented, and so they're afraid. And uh, they may have uh, ch- children with more than one man, many of whom still don't have that man in their lives, and now they're living with another man who's willing to put a roof over her head for whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And so they get to the place where they just they don't have any expectations of their own. They 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 live day to day. They try to do the best they can, um, but life is uh, is just overwhelmingly sad and uh, uh, debilitating. For many of them. So the first thing we try to do is look them in the eye and tell them somebody does care about you and you are an amazing woman. You just don't know it yet. So let's get down in there and figure out who you are, help you you know, own who you are, mm-hmm. and uh, do a little analysis of how you got to where you are and say, okay, that was then. Now I can look at the future and I can make it different. Yeah. So that's the first thing is to try to give them some dignity. We believe in you. One of the things we often say to them is they're not allowed to say, I can't do that. Unless they put a comma at the end of that sentence and say yet, yeah, I can't I can't do it yet, and and keep working on that. Then the second thing is dreams. One of the things that happens when you're depressed and when you don't think you have a future and you're living day to day without any sense of stability or predictability for your life, it's very difficult for you to dream for yourself, for your children, for anybody else. Because why dream? Because you're just going to be disappointed. 
But if you can start to believe that you're capable and that there is someone who's going to support you and believe in you and cheerlead behind you, which is what moms always do mm-hmm. for their kids, yeah. um, then maybe I can start to dream again. And then maybe I could even articulate it. One of the, one of the things we ask a lot is, if you were queen, <laughs> what, what would you do? The, I, the sad news is how many women have said to me in the past when I ask them that question, you know, nobody's ever really asked me what I want. I don't know how to answer that. Well, then let's start figuring that out. Yeah. And let's get you dreaming again. Because that's what provides the fuel for the work. If I have a dream and a goal and somebody's helping me to reach it, then that's going to fuel me to keep working and start building that stronger family. Yeah. So then we try to give them small, incremental things that they can do today. You go home and do this today, and I promise you it will make a difference. And that happens enough that they start to believe, oh, I can do this. I am going to be able to do this. And once they get to those three pieces, then we think the final one is hope. Too many people put hope first. And most of the time when they say hope, what they really do is cross their fingers and have some wishful thinking. I hope things will get better. Well, now we've given them some reasons to hope. So now the hope is, I can do this. I'm going to do this. I'm not alone. I can succeed. And if I can succeed, so can my children. So that's sort of what we do in a nutshell. That's so beautiful. Are there any specific stories that you've been through? I mean, I know you've seen dozens of dozens of women graduate from your program, but are there a few stories that stand out in your mind and your memory? Yeah, there are several. Um, if you and I left, I left some for you here today. We have a small book, and then we've got some new ones on our website. If you go on our website, mysafeharbor.org, there's a place where it says their stories, and you can click on it, and you could read several of them. These are these are only I think there's 15 of them of our 122 graduates. All of them have an amazing story. We just picked these because they were willing to to tell their story yeah. and didn't want the confidentiality, and because the, um, they're they're illustrative of several different kinds of stories. One of the ones that pops out for me, first of all, is um, uh, one of the women who ju- who graduated. Oh, it's probably been about a year ago now. She um, she came to us so depressed, insecure, unsure of herself. She'd been in a tremendously difficult uh, domestic violence program and came to us from a PEP program, which is the personal empowerment program that's offered in lots of places for domestic violence. Um, she also had some really serious physical problems and she just didn't, she just know she, she knew she needed to do something, but she didn't know what a friend of hers recommended this program. And she thought, okay, whatever, I guess I can try it. So she came and, um, uh, she had been in a terrible accident as a teenager and had lost a leg and her other leg had been really seriously damaged and it was getting worse and worse and worse. Finally, the doctor said she had to have some significant surgery. And this was shortly after she had started our program. And she thought then she was even more depressed because she was starting to enjoy it. No, now I'm going to have to quit something else because I've got to do this. Well, long story short, what happened was she went ahead and had the surgery, but her cohort just took it over. They went over to her house every day. They helped with meals. They helped with her children. They took notes from the class and they made sure she kept up with everything. And she was out for about six weeks of that of that 30 some she was out for about six weeks but because they had kept so connected to her and had really encouraged her and she wasn't alone in the process i mean they would clean her house they would cook food they'd take her kids places they just sort of stepped in Mm -hmm. as her family and so she came back and she graduated from the program 
and she's uh, one, her story, Alejandra. Her story is on the website if you want to oh. go read it. That's an amazing story. That's that's one that jumps out. I think one of the other ones is one of our women um, who came to us because her, her husband, to whom she had been married for over twenty years, uh, decided to leave her for another man, and uh, he had been pretty much a controlling kind of husband. And she did not. She was not aware that things were really all that bad. She had just sort of learned to manage all mm-hmm. of that and not ask questions and not get herself in trouble with him. And he just left and just left. He, and she had never worked, and she didn't have. Any, you know, she didn't think much of herself. She, you know, she didn't even know where to begin. She came to us, and um, uh. She's not even the same person. It's even difficult to describe to you the difference. But this is a woman who's now employed, who's working for the school district as a teacher's aide, who uh, has her own apartment, and she has one son that's still living with her, and another person who you wouldn't recognize if you had known her before. Her story, I think, her her name is... um, Just went out of my head. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Her story is also on is also on the, uh, the website. So there are lots of stories. Uh, some aren't quite so dramatic, but all of them are women who come to us um, either depressed or overwhelmed or in some way feeling that no self-confidence, terrible self-esteem, uh, and overwhelmed with how they can not repeat for their children where they are now and just don't know what to do. Wow, and uh, you know, and also become better moms at the mm-hmm. end of the day, right? Better, better everything, better partners, better friends, right? Kinder to themselves. Yeah. Now, how does you know how do our listeners get involved? Uh, I know we're you know we already in the holiday season. We already mm-hmm. you know we're approaching that. We're already in that time to where you know we can get caught up in you know, me, 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 right? Like, what do, you know, let's go to my families for Thanksgiving or start fighting with our partners for different, like, things, like, mundane things, like, well, who's going to cook? And, like, you know, where are we going to go? And, you know, maybe, like, you get in a fight with a family member or whatever you're going to do for Christmas and the holidays. And we get so caught up in ourselves and our own selfish ways that we forget that there are so many people we can help in the world. Um, which is one of the reasons why I wanted you to want to bring you here because we're just so blessed. We have so much, and and I want to be able to to let moms know who are listening to get involved. And maybe this holiday season, instead of asking for things, we should be giving things. So, how can we get involved with My Safe Harbor? How can we volunteer? What can we do to you know to change a mom's life? Well, there are lots of things. <clears throat> Um, if you live near us, or if you're willing to come into downtown Anaheim, uh, we're always looking for volunteers that can help with childcare. Um, that can we pro- uh, for our SFI cohorts, we provide a meal every time they come together. If it's a, as a morning class, we provide lunch. If it's an evening class, we provide dinner in their first quarter. After the for the other two quarters, they cook for each other. But for the first one, as they're getting used to each other and getting to know each other and stuff, we have people that come in and sort of adopt them and and, and provide meals for them. Um, there are, of course, all kinds of things that you can do if you want to do office work or this. There's all kinds of things that you can do to volunteer on site. Um, 
There are also ways uh, financially. Uh, we are a pretty bare bones operation on purpose. We have a very small staff, and um, now we have. Last year, we had over 200 volunteers that gave us 5,700 hours of, of volunteer wow. service. To so anything we can get a volunteer to do, we try to do that so that so that every dollar we we use is wisely and is spread it as far as we can. But it costs us, um, the direct cost for a woman in the SFI cohort is $1,000. We ask the, the mother to pay 100 of it, and she has 20 weeks to pay that. So it's usually about $5 a week. Um, uh, but we have to find the rest of it, plus some other administrative things and things to cover mother's clubs and the electives and those other things. So there's a whole lot of things. For, for something as simple as, you know, for $25, you can cover the cost of a day's child care. Yeah, you know, um, for fifty dollars you can cover the cost of one of our mothers club supplies. Um, for seventy five dollars a month, if you got wanted to do something regularly, for seventy five dollars a month you can put a mom through through SFI. Mm. You can pay her way through SFI and be a part of helping her. We call it the transformation team. You know, if you will help these women, you can be part of the transformation team that is specifically and on purpose. Uh, uh, investing in a mom and her children um, and change her, her children, her extended family, her neighborhood, whatever, because she's different. So there are all kinds of things that you can do. Of course, we need, you know, we can use larger gifts than that, but but um, we have already begun to try to get some of our alumni. We have a couple of our alumni now that um, are donors. Oh, that's beautiful. So, uh, and we, we encourage them to give back. Somebody invested in you. So who's coming behind you that you can invest yeah. in? And it, it just depends on, you know, the resources you have and how you'd like to be involved. But um, I can promise you that any penny you send our way, we will pinch until it squeals. <laughs> I like to hear that. Uh, so again, it's mysafeharbor.org. And then one last question that I have for you before we head into a break is, what are some red flags that we might see in a friend who's a mom? Mm-hmm. who you think like may 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 benefit from this program or how do we approach them and say hey maybe you should check this place out what mm-hmm. are some red flags and number 2 how can we introduce this program to a mom that we know uh, well um some of the red flags are just listening to them uh, it may be that they're not talking at all that's a pretty big red flag if everything's always fine but you know it's not that's one but lots of times, someone who's depressed, um, you know, they don't want to get up and go anywhere. Uh, they do the minimums. Their house is a disaster. They're a disaster. Uh, they uh, they just feel like life is out of control. Uh, they they don't seem to be able to solve any of their own problems. Every problem is a huge problem, and they they can't differentiate and be a problem solver. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of it. Some of it is is if they if their children are old enough now that their children are not respecting them, and you see it. If if you have a six year old child that's telling their mother off and saying no, I'm not doing it, or throwing a fit if they make them, you know that they have they have no they have no discipline situation in their home, and I don't mean by that anything other than uh, their children are uh, are able to manage socially in an appropriate way, and to to respect them. Part of the problem is they probably don't respect themselves. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things. Then a very first lesson we have with them in SFI, if you don't respect yourself, why should anybody else? Yeah. And so that's where we start. 
And that what is it about you that's worthy of respect? And, and start to find those things within themselves. A lot of times it's, it's the overwhelmedness and the inability to find a way out of that. Somebody who can come in and, you know, break that, get your attention, you know, some of those kinds of things. Wow, that's incredible. That's very, very powerful. Thank you so much. Let's take a break, and then we come back. We'll come back with um, well, a little bit from Titlari. She stayed quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little bit more to take a trip with we we'll right back. Hi, sisters. So just real quick, I just wanted to update you guys on our current It Can Wait challenge that we have going on with AT&T. It has been over 10 days now that I have not used my phone while driving, and I will have to say that it has been way more challenging than I expected. One thing that has really helped me are listening to podcasts. Uh, I know all of you guys who are listeners of the show, obviously, are listening to podcasts and are familiar with podcasts, but are there any other shows that you like besides Supermamas? Um, let us know. Tag us on Instagram with at underscore Supermamas. Um, and use hashtag it can wait again hashtag it can wait and tag us on Instagram at underscore supermamas and let us know what other shows help you stay focused on the road and are there any other tips you have been using during this 21 day challenge remember ladies that things can always wait and while you may be alone in your car you are never alone on the road How did you find My Safe Harbor and how uh, how did you get involved or what led you to say, okay, this is like, this is my calling. I'm going to give back. And what have you gotten out of it? Oh, I've gotten so much out of it. But um, one of the reasons why I became involved is because there's a saying around downtown Anaheim in the city of Anaheim is that if you know Becky, then you're going to work for Becky. And she will <laughs> tell you that herself. <laughs> and I actually um, got to know Becky because I work for the gang prevention program in the city of Anaheim. And she was part of our committee. And she, the first thing that she did was come up to me, introduce herself to me, and I knew who she was because she's just very well-respected in the city. Um, and she said, what can I do to help you with all of the at-risk youth? Mm -hmm. And um, she started off by baking cookies with her church, um, oh. with her church people. Becky, you bake cookies too? She, they <laughs> bake cookies for us um, once a month and we pick up and we bring to all of our meetings with our kids because everybody loves a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. And a homemade. A homemade, a homemade chocolate, chocolate chip cookie. And that's something that we use to bring to parent meetings with our coffee. And we get the parents to um, just talk to us and get to know us. But um, just from, uh, I got involved with this program because I saw the difference that her program was making in the youth that I've been working with. Moms that we would refer to her program who would start changing and implementing mm -hmm. all of these lessons that she was teaching them and the program was teaching them. All of a sudden, all the youth that I was working with started doing great in school and going to school and getting good grades and behaving well and listening to their mothers. And I just was so appreciative of that because it made my work easier. <laughs> <laughs> and I... And then um, in 2004, I had just gotten pregnant with my with my son, and she sat. She invited me to lunch, and she said, "How do you 
feel about being a board member for My Safe Harbor? And I didn't even hesitate. I said, yes, but I'm going to have a baby, so I might be on maternity leave for a little <laughs> bit. But um, she was she's just so amazing, and she cares so much. You can see how much she cares about mothers mm-hmm. and about the Anaheim community just by the way she interacts with the people. Um, she's not only respected by professionals in the city, she's respected by all of the women that live there. And you can see it because the way they treat her, the way they look at her, the way they reach out to her for advice. And mm-hmm. she's just the mom for all of us. And we Aww. go up to her. I mean, she was, she's was she been an inspiration to me now that I've been a mother and or that I am a mother. And I just wanted, I, I also came from a very strong family, I would think. Um, and I saw how strong my family was because of how strong my mother was. And um, so when there's one thing that she said once, and it always resonated with me and stayed with me, she said, um, change a mother and you'll change a family. You change a family and you'll, you'll change the world. And that always stayed with me. And that's the reason why I wanted to become part of the board and be involved with my safe harbor and and be able to help as many mothers because lord knows i need help (laughs) we all need help we all not only help but also we all need help in asking for help Mm -hmm. right Right. Mm -hmm. because that's the first thing that that uh that's the first step because sometimes we don't even want to ask for help because we feel like we're these super women that don't need it Mm -hmm. and well or, or we think that we're the only one who has that problem, and we, we there's no safe place to admit that problem. That's very true. One of the if you read any of the stories on our website, and probably every I would say almost without exception, every story we have, the, one of the things that will come out was, I found out I'm not alone. Yeah, that's a huge piece yeah. just right there. Yeah, no, you're so right. And you know, just the one last comment and beautiful thing that I've seen one of the things that Becky mentioned earlier was that a lot of the women that she asked you know what do you want if you were queen what do you want or what are your dreams and that they have no dreams the same kids that um, their own kids that I was working with I'll ask them you know what do you want to be when you grow up and so many of them will just say I don't know I don't care I don't want to do anything and to me, when I started working with them, it was so surprising because I remember at least, you know, when I, from as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be something, whether it was a ballerina or an ice skater or a teacher. Yeah. I always wanted to be something. something. And, you know, these young kids, nine-year-olds, uh, eight-year-olds, they just didn't want to do anything. They didn't know what to do. They didn't care. They just don't want to. And then all of a sudden, their mom changed, and now they want to be doctors and police officers and they have dreams of their own. So once the mom is able to dream, the children are able to dream. And yeah. to me, that's just a beautiful thing. And that's how you change oh, the world. That is beautiful. And, and it is one of the messages that we constantly repeat on the show is take care of yourself, mom. Like, make yourself better. You know, don't forget about who you are. Don't forget about you. Do what makes you happy. Do what do what will fulfill you or not just be happy, but do what will fulfill you and and get to the place where you can dream, where you can have hope and where you can have these things. Well, because your ultimate your ultimate gift to your children is to be a role model. Yeah. And if you you cannot teach them what you cannot do. That's that's very true. And so you, you know, the stronger you are, the stronger they will be. Yeah. And the more the more stable and secure and uh, safe 
and all those things because you're modeling for them that even if life is hard, we can still do amazing things and we can be the best people that we can be and we're never going to stop trying. One of the things that I tell them myself, you know, um, I'm, not, I'm not done learning. We're never done learning. There's more that we yeah. can learn. There's more that we can become. There are new things that we can do. Um, and uh, when we give up on ourselves, that's one of the worst things that we can do, not only for ourselves, but the people we love, especially those we're trying to influence. Because now you have no, uh, now you have no influence on them anymore. Yeah. They, they aren't going to listen to you. So true. Um, let's get on to our picks and tips of the week. Uh, do you have a tip, Becky, or a pick? Or Well, I was going to tell you about a book. One okay, of the books, tell One of the books please. that we use in SFI that is just a game changer. Tell I read us. it when Love I was... Love books. When I was a young mother, I read it, and it was, it was like this man was living in my house. Oh, my gosh. And it just changed things a long, long time ago. It's still around. It's in its like fourth or fifth edition now. But it's also available in Spanish. It's called One, Two, Three Magic. Ooh, Okay. Working with children from 2 to 12. Oh, God knows. We all need that one. I need to read it now because my three-nager, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing about the book that's so great, it's written by a man named Thomas Phelan, P-H-E-L-A-N. He's a clinical psychologist who specializes in ADDHD children. And he wrote the book because he was tired of people bringing their children to him for medication when what they really needed was some structure and some discipline at home. Woo! Preach, Becky. I'm going to buy that book. <laughs> it's not a hard read. It's a pretty fast read. Um, but it is a game changer for, your, for helping you to become the, uh, not the punisher in your family, but the disciplined person in your family. And there's a big difference between those two that he's really clear about. I'll just give you a little, little kernel yes, of it that yeah. was great. He talks about the two cardinal sins of parenting. One is too much talking, and the other is too much emotion. Ooh, got to read it. It's a great book. And then there's another one that follows if your children are older called Surviving Your Adolescent. Okay. And I'm reading on that one, two, three magic. It's, there, it's a great book. You can just go to Amazon and get it. It's an amazing book. I recommend it if you're looking for a way to get control again in your home. And, and not only because you want your children to be disciplined, but because guess what? If you want to have disciplined children, you have to be a disciplined parent. Yeah, and you have to have structure. That's right. Structure. That's, That's what, what we talk about. Sitlali? Yes, my tip of the week is one of the things that I was very, very guilty of pre-baby was that, you know, I was just a slave to my phone. I would always be on my phone. I'd come home from work and be on my phone and check my emails and yeah. what's the latest work email that I need to respond to. And I noticed that... Um, Another rule that I think should be said, we don't listen enough to our children. Yeah. Um, one of the things that happened a lot as my son started to get older is that he always wanted to play with me or he would call me to go to his room and play with the strains or whatnot. And I would just say, give me five minutes. I'm looking at my phone. And then I started noticing that he started um, throwing more tantrums or just being very needy. And I realized it's probably because I'm a slave to my phone. So my rule now, what I would... Um, my tip would be is that when we come home, that maybe just 30 minutes, we put our phone away. And who cares about the emails? They will yeah, be there later. That's for sure. They will be there tomorrow. Nobody needs to a reply back immediately most of the time. <laughs> so what I do now is that I come home, and for the first hour that I'm home, I go to his room and we play. And ever since then, and then he understands, okay, now mommy has to go make dinner and get ready for the day. And now he gets it, and he 
he's totally on board with it and he understands. And for me, it's made me even, aside from being a better parent, I think it makes, makes me happier because I, I feel like I have more time with him and I don't feel as guilty and at the end of the night when I think, okay, now I have to put him to sleep and then I won't see him all day tomorrow because yeah. I have to go to work. So that's just, that's my tip of the week. Let's put our phones down for at least an hour and I like the one hour. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm at least, that if sure. not more. But that makes sense because they're yeah. just craving your attention. Yes, if <clears> not more. If we could do it for the whole night. And, and what I've started doing more, I add more time incrementally. And I just kind of put my phone away. And um, if I hear the email notification, I'll read just the subject. And if it's important, then maybe I'll get to it. But if not, I'll just leave it alone. I, I don't feel the need to respond immediately anymore. That's a good, that's a good tip. Um, one of the things I did, you know, it happened just recently. Uh, my kid goes to daycare every day, and I, um, you know, I, I usually do, you know, we do drop-offs. Both my husband and I, we divide them equally. But, um, you know, he's getting older, so now, you know, there's more of a conversations happening. It's not just like, okay, here's my baby, bye. You know, now it's more like, okay, I have to go to work now. So now what I do is not tell him that I have to go to work, but I also tell him, do you understand why I go to work? And I'm like, I, I just want, I, I go to work because I want to teach you that whatever you want in life, you're going to have to work for. So I want a lot of things and I need to go to work. And one day you'll go to work. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, he, I don't know if he'll get it, but I think in my head, what, I, what I'm doing is I need to teach him the reason why I go to work. And I want him to not just think that I don't love him or I just go to work for whatever. I want him to know that, you know, mommy loves to work. And also whatever we want in life, we have to work for. So, you know, that's another, that's another tip that, that I do for my kid when we, like, lately it's just, lately I think it, the guilt's really kind of getting a little bit heavier, you know? Yes, they start talking <laughs> oh, more. They start Wait till they're in teenagers and they're yeah. really good at laying on yeah. the guilt. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, more of like, mommy, but I don't want you to go. Now it's more like, I don't want you to. Go and I'm like, oh, but you know, mommy has to go to work. Such a heartbreak. Yeah, my little son now tells me like, mommy no vayas, mommy no vayas. I'm like, okay, I'll stay stay here forever. (laughs) But um, but no, and and I and I love Becky. I love everything you're saying about structure, discipline, and even just the way you're talking, the way you're, the way you're just communicating. I see that structure is a huge part of probably my safe harbor, and I think that is one thing that probably gets moms moms um moving forward right and mm-hmm. i think that's what we all need we in, we all need uh structure we all need work because that's just life we can't expect things to magically happen yeah. everything needs to be structured in order and we need to work hard at it otherwise nothing's gonna change mm-hmm. um so thank you becky for all your work so again mysafeharbor.org you can definitely figure out a ways to get involved there and you can also donate um their facebook page is my safe harbor uh, and again mysafeharbor.org and thank you so much for being here ladies thank, thank you for the opportunity thank you so much yes um, and let's give this holiday season ladies stop taking let's just yeah. <laughs> super mamas bye <laughs>